once a year, people from all over the country, and from many other countries, meet up in Cincinnati, Ohio in October. Here you'll find friends getting together to reconnect and to view some astounding collections. Late-night dinners and late-night hotel toy sales, new discoveries of old Star Wars items, and more prototypes and vintage toys than you could ever imagine. This is the weekend of the Cincinnati Toy Show. This is Kenner Country. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Cincinnati was the first major American city founded after the American Revolution. It is known as the chili capital of the world because it has more chili restaurants per capita than any other city on the planet. It is the birthplace of Steven Spielberg, home to America's oldest baseball team, the Cincinnati Reds, and was a crucial stop on the Underground Railroad because of its proximity to Kentucky, which at the time was a slave state. And from 1946 to 2000, Cincinnati was the proud home to one of the most important toy companies ever, Kenner Products. Kenner was named after the street on which the original corporate offices were located, and it housed some of the most creative and imaginative minds to ever design toys. And during the more than 50 years of production, Kenner created beloved toys that span generations, like the Easy Bake Oven or the Spirograph. Kenner's toy lines, under which numerous figures were released, are well known to this day and include the starting lineup sports players, the $6 million man toys, the Alien series, and the DC Comics superhero collection Superpowers. It is also home to the Care Bears, the Real Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park, and Strawberry Shortcake. But the most popular, most iconic, and maybe the most revolutionary toy line was the one we all know and love, Star Wars. Introduced in 1977, Star Wars shaped what toys could be to children, and what a beloved product could do for a film franchise. And with that emotional connection to the films and toys firmly in place, those who grew up playing with the Star Wars figures, vehicles, and playsets became collectors as adults. So once a year, collectors make their pilgrimage to a toy show within this vibrant city, which is at once modern and dynamic, and yet forever blanketed in the idyllic charm of its neighborhoods and historical buildings. They come from different cities and towns, from other states, and from faraway countries to buy and sell not only Star Wars toys, but toys of all kinds. And each collector hopes that in the midst of the meetups and the toy show itself, during the time spent with other collectors and with new friends, that they can capture some of that Kenner magic. (laughs) 
In the fall, I travel from New Jersey to Cincinnati for the annual Cincinnati Toy Show, put on and run by CTS Productions. The show is a one-day event, and the 2018 show happened on Sunday, October 14th. But unlike many other single-day toy shows, the entire weekend of the Cincinnati Toy Show is filled with meetups and opportunities to buy Star Wars prototypes and production toys, and to make new friends who share the same interests. And for me, that alone is worth the 10-hour ride. And with these Ohio trips, I've developed a routine. I left Thursday morning and drove about six hours to St. Clairsville, Ohio. St. Clairsville is a quaint little town in the easternmost part of the state, with a few hotels, a bowling alley, and one heavily trafficked area off of I-70 with a number of chain restaurants and a few big box stores like Walmart. But go a quarter mile in any direction outside of that shopping area, and it's peaceful and quiet. It's the perfect place to stop and rest after a long ride like this one. I found a hidden gem of a restaurant the first time I stopped there, Melman's Cafeteria. It appears to be a relic from the 1960s, both outside and inside. It's a traditional cafeteria, where you grab a tray and, getting into one of two lines, you choose your meal. Everything is homemade, and they serve items like meatloaf, fried chicken, carved roast beef, chicken pot pies, spaghetti and meatballs with toasted garlic bread, fish dishes, and sides like mashed potatoes, string beans, and homemade macaroni and cheese. It's nice to have dinner there because it reminds me of decades past, of simpler times. I'm assuming they've never updated the place because it's really great the way it is, and why change it if it works and the food's delicious? For some reason, when I drive out west on these toy trips, it takes a while to transition from the rhythm of normal life to vacation mode, and each trip seems to officially begin with that dinner at Melman's. I woke up the next morning and drove the rest of the way to Cincinnati, about three and a half hours, but not before stopping at Melman's Cafeteria for a 10.30 a.m. lunch of turkey, stuffing and gravy, mashed potatoes, vegetables, and of course meatloaf. The first thing I did when I arrived at Cincinnati was check into my hotel. I was staying at the Drury Inn, which is less than a mile from the convention center that hosts the Sunday Toy Show. The Drury Inn is also where collectors meet that Saturday night for the room sales. In case you're unfamiliar with room sales, it's an event usually held in a conference room or at a lobby in a hotel that many of the collectors stay at. And people bring toys, collectibles, and prototypes to sell and to trade. The collectors who attend the Cincinnati Toy Show weekend are some of your bigger toy collectors and bring some extremely rare items with them. If you're interested in vintage Star Wars toys or Kenner toys and prototypes, really any toy collectibles in general, I suggest you attend at least one room sales. It's always a wonderful time to meet new friends and to catch up with old ones. And if you're making a purchase there, chances are it's going to be a memorable one. So that's what room sales are. I'll give you a look into this weekend's room sales in a little while, but back to the trip. So I stopped off at the Drury, checked into my hotel room, dropped off most of what I brought with me, and headed out. And from this point in the trip onward, the hours tend to blur, and I'm going from one location to the next, grabbing meals when I can. That's the way it is, and I love it. The whirring of the minutes passing becomes a soundtrack unto itself. Ten minutes from the Drury is a toy store called the Toy Department. The Toy Department is in the same plaza as the comic book shop and is owned by collector and dealer Chris Neal. <laughs> 
The store is tiny, but in a good way. From the moment you enter the store, you're surrounded by toys from all different eras. The layout is nice, and there are glass cases housing individual lines, like Star Wars and Kenner's DC Comics-based superpower figures. There's also a display showcasing pre-production items like proof cards and hard copies. And of course, there's a healthy display of modern toys, like the Black Series Star Wars line as well. And if you're someone who collects and appreciates toys, and you happen to live in an area that was the former home of one of the largest toy producers in the country, and many of the former employees are still living there, it's a pretty smart idea to set up a toy store in the center of it all. After all, when people have old comics they want to get rid of, they take them to their local comic store. And if these former Kenner employees and families of former employees are looking to sell their old toys that may be of value, they're going to visit the toy department. And if you're a collector in an area in which most people seek out former Kenner employees and rare toy owners, it's nice to have them come to you instead. But beyond the toy shows and the collector meetups, there is some serious hunting happening in this area. You see, Cincinnati and the surrounding towns have hidden pockets of toys, ones that have been sitting in basements or in attics for decades. And there's sort of an archaeology that takes place there, a challenge, and in some cases, a race, to unearth what remains just out of reach or is hidden, or remains yet undiscovered. In the 1980s, Steve Denny, one of the early Star Wars super collectors, worked for the post office, and when a package would come in addressed to an employee via Kenner, Steve would write the recipient's name down and would send him or her a letter inquiring about any toys he or she may have. And as a result of those letters, we have many of the rare Star Wars toys, prototypes, and proof cards today that may have been lost or discarded otherwise. In an interview with Steve on the website KennerCollector.com, former collector Dan Florida pointed out Steve's foresight for catching a rare and crucial moment for a Star Wars collector, which occurred while the Kenner toys were still on clearance racks in stores. Steve was in that historical sweet spot of time in which the Star Wars line was truly transitioning from toy to collectible. And in the interview, Dan says... You hit it at just the right time. There was still enough left around from the line dying off, but right before the popularity of collecting really took off, you were getting all of the good stuff. And during the early years of Star Wars collecting, collectors spent hours upon hours going through the Cincinnati region phone books on weekends, cold-calling homeowners to see if they or anyone in their families had worked at Kenner. Meetings with former designers and attempts to get the owners of these treasures to sell are still taking place to this day, and probably happened during the weekend of this most recent toy show. And it appears that even after all of these years, the well is far from dry. It seems like for every week that goes by, someone is uncovering something special somewhere here and in areas all around the world. We read Facebook posts about amazing finds, or hear stories from other collectors about the discovery of an unproduced item, or about the recovery of a piece of toy history that was believed to be lost. But in Cincinnati, in Kenner Country, it's like that, but much more concentrated. So I went to see Chris Neal at the toy department about a prototype that meant something special to me. A little over a year ago, I was offered some first shots from the Star Wars 6-inch Force Awakens line. 
First shots are early plastic versions of the figures, usually without copyright markings, and in colors different from the production versions of the figures. I had managed to pick up every single one the seller had, with the exception of a Captain Phasma, which was sold before I was able to purchase it. I have always regretted not being able to buy the Captain Phasma. And unlike the silver chrome figure with the black cape that was sold at stores, this Phasma had a yellow body and limbs, a brownish belt, and a red-orange helmet, cape, and blaster. It certainly was unique, and I've never seen another one like it. For a year, all I had was a single photo of it, and I believed I would never see it again. A few weeks before the Cincinnati Toy Show, I visited Ohio for the Columbus Toy Show, and while I was there, I struck up a conversation with Chris. I was showing him some pictures of the prototypes I collect, and when I asked him if he had any modern Star Wars prototypes, he paused, and he said he had one six-inch figure, a Captain Phasma. He started to describe it, saying it was yellow, and I immediately cut him off, saying, it's, it's yellow and orange, comes with an orange blaster and is missing a foot? He stared at me like I was crazy. But from his reaction, I knew we were speaking about the same figure. I explained that I had been looking for it for a while, and I showed him the photo I had of it. He laughed and said if he were to ever sell it, he'd let me know. I left Columbus that weekend, shocked that I had found it, but intent on reuniting it with the rest of the figures I had purchased a year ago. Knowing where something is without necessarily owning it or being able to own it is a really interesting feeling. Almost a sense of relief, because up to that point, it was lost. And now it's not. And with nearly every collectible, there is always a chance that it will one day belong to you. And that kind of hope is what keeps us collecting. Well, I wish I could say that Chris was at his store, and I was able to purchase the Captain Phasma. But he had left for the day to prepare for the show. But that's okay. I was here for the entire weekend, and I figured I'd have the opportunity to speak with him at some point, about the Captain Phasma. And since we live in the social media age, announcements of special finds by the collectors who had arrived early to Cincinnati, and images of pickups of pre-arranged deals that were starting to pop up in the Facebook groups. Others posted photos of themselves at the airport or on the plane en route to Ohio. Seeing these photos of friends and collectors loading up their cars or on the road in anticipation of a great weekend always helps to ramp up the excitement because it becomes a shared adventure before we're even all together in the same room. And seeing photos as people get closer to their destination or the posts of what some are bringing with them begins to make the weekend, which is something many of us wait for and look forward to, a reality. The closest comparison I could make to the level of anticipation would be like when you were a child and your parents told you they were going to take you to a toy store. Except in this case, all of your friends were going to be at the toy store too. Friday night, I got together with Kyle Rose, a dear friend of mine. Kyle lives in the Cincinnati area and is a collector of Biker Scouts and of all things Kenner. His passion and excitement for the toy company's history and its various lines are infectious, and when I think of Cincinnati, I think of Kyle. We had met almost exactly a year ago at the 2017 Cincinnati Toy Show, where we wound up talking about Star Wars and collecting for an hour. And over the past year, we've not only had the chance to bond over our love for collecting, but we had the opportunity to be roommates in September for the ICCC convention down in Nashville, Tennessee. Kyle recently redid his basement, turning it into one of the most amazing collection rooms I've ever seen. 
He spent months setting his vision for what he wanted it to be, working on where and how each line would be displayed. He figured out how to best light each glass case and each of the setups inlaid into the walls. Many of his rare 2D pieces were matted and framed as well. For Kyle, this was a collecting dream years in the making, and I was honored to be welcomed into his house to see the results. And coming off of a wonderful trip to Nashville together, it was great to just be able to spend time in the same room again, especially for the second time in a month. And one of the most special aspects of that night was visiting his collection room, with its substantial lighting, ample space, and carefully curated sections of Star Wars prototypes and production pieces, superpowers items, some unproduced lines, as well as a section for a modern General Grievous run, and an area dedicated to the Kenner employees themselves. Seeing his basement was like stepping into the mind of a collector and a friend. Seeing the items that meant so much to him, and in the way he curated everything with an immense attention to detail and a love for the entire process and the creation of a toy, gave me insight into how and why Kyle collected. I saw pieces he owned in a totally new light, and in that short time of being at his house, developed a new appreciation for many of the items that meant something to him. And as his friend, they now meant something to me as well. There are planned events, and then there are ones that happen organically. While I was in Cincinnati, Sean and Ryan Lemkel kindly invited me to come over to their parents' house on Saturday to see their collection. It's a shared collection that represents years of hunting and hard work. But more importantly, it's a lifelong bond between two brothers who grew up loving Star Wars. It's a constant in an ever-changing world that no matter where life takes each of them, they'll always have Star Wars together. I have wanted to see their collection for a while. Sean and Ryan had talked about some of their finds on Sky and Steve's Kivecast podcast a while ago, like the $50 blue snaggletooth first shot or the vinyl cape Jawa that was found covered in rat droppings in somebody's basement. But I also wanted to see what two people who were devoted to collecting together would produce. And it far exceeded my expectations. But the best part was getting the chance to talk about Star Wars with them and with some other collectors they invited as well. And during our meetup, I was given a full and fascinating tour of the collection by Ryan. Later in the afternoon, I was able to sit down with Ryan and Sean to discuss why a weekend like this was so special to so many people. We were also joined by Brian Angel, a West Coast-based R5 and Guavian Trooper collector and one of the nicest, coolest guys in the hobby. So come join the four of us on the Lemkel's couch in a basement that is overflowing with vintage production and pre-production treasures as we talk about the Cincinnati Toy Show, the room sales, and why you need to be here with us next year. Couch. Okay, so this is uh, this is the first real day at uh, at Cincinnati, and uh, this is it's Saturday. Uh, so we're uh, we're getting ready for the room sales and and for setup and everything like that. Um, I am at the Lemkel home, and I'm joined by Sean and Ryan, uh, brothers and awesome guys, and huge Kenner collectors, and Brian Angel as well too. So uh, we just want to give you guys an idea of of what what this experience is like, what Cincinnati is like. You know, for those who uh, weren't 
weren't able to come or maybe for those who just looked at it and said, well, I don't know what, what it's really like, this, this is sort of an idea. So um, if you guys want to just kind of give an idea of who you are and, and what you do. Well, all I want to say is, uh, you know, it was a momentous occasion today because Brian Angel was walking to her house and uh, right down the street, he tripped over an R5-D4 uh, first shot. And, and apparently in Cincinnati, they just spring out of the ground. And so now he's got a, a new prototype in his collection just because he almost fell on it. So, uh, Brian, is there a truth to that? Every single R5 that is from Cincinnati is a first shot. You know that, right? <laughs> of course, absolutely. And there's there's tons of them. Like you just you just took one because you're like I don't want to be greedy, right? Yeah, no. Um, I would fleece the whole town dry if I could. <laughs> but I actually gave him a, a first shot R5 yeah. last night. That's right. Uh, a, a, you know, it was a beater, so it's not as as first shotty as the others. Right. And yeah. no one cares when it comes to beater first shots. No, we just I mean, usually in the a beater one's about four thousand dollars. <laughs> but you know, if it was in mint, you know, we could, you could ask probably like fifteen or fourteen for it. Wow. Uh, the one that Ryan gave me used to be owned by Barbara Streisand, so it's got an additional <laughs> kitsch to it. <laughs> this is all legitimate, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now, actually, the, the, the show is a lot of fun. Uh, there's there's anything from R five D fours to R two D twos to the black hole. Uh, hopefully, you will not leave, or actually, hopefully, you will leave with a black hole in your pocket. We'll take all your money. Um, no, but honestly, it, it, it's a it's a fun show. There's anything from sixties, seventies, eighties toys. It's not your typical show where you see a lot of you know nineties stuff like that and and Funko pops, which are kind of just you know, yeah, the the Beanie Babies of the two thousands. Um, you know, yeah, it's. But no, collect how you want. Yeah, collect how you want. But it, it, it's a great show. There's I mean, literally everything there. And when I say when I say everything, it's not overrun by your by your um, comic Comic Con type toys with like your Pokemon stuff like that. This is a true 60s, 70s, and 80s toy show where I'd say 90% of the dealers there have what the vintage collector is looking for. Yeah, that that's actually a really succinct way to put it. That, that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, I, I came here for the first time last year. And uh, I would say probably about a thousand people, twelve hundred people actually come to the show somewhere around there. It was about fifteen hundred last year. Yeah, but this is a show. This is only the third or fourth year of it. The Columbus show, which has been going on now for I think like a decade, they bring about five thousand people there. Um, so the size of the show is about half of Columbus. The difference is with Columbus, you get a lot of the people that live up in the Cleveland area setting up uh, in the Columbus area, where Cincinnati, it's I would say it's, it's a closer, um, more concentrated group of people that set up that are within this area. I will tell you, I think it was two years ago that one of the dealers there bought, I don't want to get too much into the weeds with it, but bought a handful of figures and didn't realize it, but they ended up being a bunch of Indiana Jones prototypes. Uh, I think some proto-molded, hand-painted items. Yeah, they're Wait, you said you said proto-mold? Yeah, proto-mold. If you could just explain what that is as well, too. Uh, so that would be, <coughs> excuse me, hold on. <coughs> so proto-mold would be, um, I guess, similar to a hard copy, but a lot of times they'd make the aluminum molds internally using the, uh, I always mispronounce it, either the pantograph machine and um they would they would trace the the item and it would create a a, uh, aluminum mold at which point they would pour in and usually it's like a milky it's like a milky what do you it's a milky uh like plastic looking substance um so it'd be used a lot for a lot of pre-production typically it's a little bit rougher uh, but it was easy to put together and to produce real quick uh in in numbers internally 
Uh, and at that point, they would paint it for catalog photography, you know, other things they would do internal, internally uh, for pre-production purposes. Uh, but it's kind of neat because... Get that out of my face, jeez. <laughs> I just to see more like a uh, uh, yeah, so it'd be like a milkier. I don't know what I was talking about now. That was a cameo by the, the Queen Lemcool, Tony Lemcool. Marie Antoinette to you. I'm really. Yeah, but back on. And if she doesn't walk away, I'm going to chop her head off like Marie Antoinette. So back on track here. Sean was just explaining the differences of different prototypes and whatnot, but. Overall, back to the main theme of this whole um, interview is why Cincinnati show is a great show to come to is that, uh, you know, Columbus is a great show. There's probably a few less dealers in Cincinnati that there are in Columbus, but it's more of a premium picking of the things that the dealers bring to Cincinnati show versus the Columbus show. And because it's a newer show, you have lesser guests coming to the front door. So your percentage of getting a better piece because there's less people to fight for that piece for is actually higher. So you're gonna, so you have a better chance on getting the better items, um, and not have to, you know, c- uh, compete against other collectors for those same pieces because there's not as many collectors there as of now. I would it's like it's still a growing show. But um, a couple years ago, uh, an ex Kenner employee showed up and um, brought uh, an entire box of proofs and was just selling those left and right. So, I mean, anything can happen at the show. Um, you know, and this was totally unplanned. Nobody knew what was going on until there's, you know, 50 collectors crowding around this table and proofs are flying in the air over over people's heads and money's going back and forth. That's amazing. So, it just, it's what happens there. It's kind of like a mini, if, if you ever go to celebration room sales um, and are familiar with how that works, it's kind of like that. You really don't know what to expect. Anything can just pop up out of nowhere and, and, and it'd be something great. So, you said premium pieces before. Um, would that be you're talking about because this is Kenner Country and yeah, I mean because it's Kenner Country, you're going to find. I mean, you may not find it in the wild, but you're going to have a better chance of, uh, you know, the older generation of the Kenner um, ex employees that have held on to their stuff and they know about the show coming up. So some of them can just randomly walk in sometimes, and that's what happened with. As my brother explained, with the Indiana Jones box of, of yeah, we got a we got, toys. Sculpt, we got sculpt original sculpt last year. Not original, what's well original, but it, from more modern era. Just walked uh, through the front door. Just walked through the front door. Um, sold it to us, which was pretty cool. Um, what else? There's uh, the thing I like about the show too. It's you know nothing against cosplaying or any of that, but the show is a hundred percent toward toy collecting. Um, you know, no autographs, no people in line, just the looky loo. You have buyers and you have sellers. You have a lot of people that come to see their friends. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think everybody typically leaves with something for their collection, which I don't think you find at most shows nowadays. Um, you go to even Star Wars Celebration. I I believe that the show here has a better mix of items for sale than even we see at Celebration. Because at Celebration, the high-end items are all going to be graded. They're all going to be 150% of market value because the cost to set up is so astronomical and the investment to go up there and set up. The tables here are $70 a piece. 70 bucks. I mean, that's dirt cheap. Um, so I think that you you have people that are willing to part with their items for a lot less money because they don't have that additional expense. And it's, it's the true collectors. I think uh, sometimes you'll get the speculators and the different people that are purchasing just because they want to invest their money in, you know, a little bit differently, maybe things like Celebration. Uh, whereas with a toy show like this, it's more of a grassroots movement. Uh, you get the, 
I say the true collectors, but the people that engage on the Facebook groups, the people that have circles of friends that they've met through the hobby. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a closer knit brother and sisterhood um, around this particular show than there is maybe others. Uh, another good show is the, the the Chicago show. It's probably the biggest show in the country, um, but it's a hodgepodge of everything. And I would say there's probably 10 to 1 with collectors to actual Star Wars items that are there, whereas this, I would say, it's probably about even. There's probably enough for everybody, depending on what you're looking for. I mean, obviously, everybody wants the, the really rare stuff, right? So um, hopefully it shows up, but... You never know. We'll see. I guess we'll find out today and tomorrow, right? But it is primarily more of like kind of a Kenner-based Star Wars thing, right? Right. Yeah, I would say so. But there's a lot of – I think anywhere in the country where there's going to be a toy show that has attics and basements, you're going to be – there's going to be a higher chance of you pulling out 70s, 80 items because you go to an area of the country like Florida, for instance, you know, space is extremely valuable and – um, you know, growing up, I know just going from going to our friends' houses, you know, everybody kept everything. Uh, and a lot of the houses around here are older. People live in them for 30, 40 years. And people tend to hold on to stuff. And, you know, eventually they find it and then they want an outlet to get rid of it. Um, so, you know, shows like this are obviously a good opportunity to find things like that. I was going to say something else. I'm going to say something to Brian here. Um, he was mentioned, or someone mentioned to me uh, that yesterday they were, they were like in an Uber or something like that. And um, their driver, Brian, Brian, if you want to, if you want to do that. Yeah. So I think to put it in toy collector terms, Cincinnati being the deep cave within Dagobah of toy collecting, the closer you get to the force sensitivity of the mothership, then the deeper the occurrences and the more frequent the occurrences of these anomaly toys are going to be. And that's just a good way to put it. That is confusing me. That being said, (laughs) that being said, I was in Uber and the driver was an ex Kenner employee just happened to be, I got a picture. I got to post it up on the page and, um, he was a stuffer. What is a stuffer? Um, (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. A stuffer. Interviews in a basement instead of out in the open because, there could be some parents covering their children's ears. Put the ball gag on Sean, Ryan, <laughs> so I can finish my story. Um, and uh, he was a stuffer, which stuffs the stuffed animals. I don't know where your guys' minds was, but he stuffing took animals. the stuffing and put it into the stuffed animals at Kenner. You know, the dolls, the toys. The so like Care Bears and things like that. Things like that. Okay. And uh, he was promoted to a forklift operator. Yeah. And uh, you know what? Eugene was a swell guy. I'll just let you know that. Yeah. It's but, just a cool thing that you can see someone or meet someone like that in Cincinnati. And it's like, hey, you had something to do with possibly a toy that I had. You moved it from a shelf to another shelf with your forklift. Congratulations. For sure. No, as I said, my analogy about the, being close to the mothership is accurate. But let me move on to be serious. And I know I don't do this very often, but I'm going to be serious for a minute. Is that I think what differentiates the Cincinnati Toy Show and why it's so special. If you really have a nostalgia and a romance for toy collecting and you don't have ulterior motives, Sean and Ryan, and they really um, represent the hospitality of the city of Cincinnati, they have put together at the Drury Hotel in Sharonville an environment that's unlike most other toy shows where you're going to get a discount on a room, a very nice place. The room sales themselves are condoned by the hotel, so you're never going to get kicked out. 
um, you have a Waffle House and a Cracker Barrel in the parking lot. So you can kind of centralize at the Drury as someone coming into town. And you don't really have to go elsewhere and then kind of everything comes to you you go to the toy show which is just down the street you you're walking everywhere yeah and and you know more than walking everywhere because you're going to take some ubers and you're going to go and see some people's right. collections once you start getting to know some people in town um and that's really the magic of it is if you're coming for the friendship and and that whole vibe you're coming to the right place if i could jump back for one second because you mentioned the room sales and i think for us, we know because we've experienced it. We know what it is. Um, but if you could just explain to someone who has, you know, who hasn't been to Celebration, who hasn't been to the ICCC or to Cincinnati, what what a room sales actually is, because it is something very special. Well, it's a small show. It's a small hotel. It's a small community. And when you talk about a room sale, you talk about a smaller area. But I think you have a bigger impact and the fat has completely been trimmed out. So you're seeing modern prototypes kind of cast. Way more premium pieces is what you're going right. to find. But what is a room sale? I think that. That's so I was going to give you an example. It's a big room. You're seeing like modern prototypes cast off to the side, even though they're amazing because the main show is really deep, amazing Star Wars stuff. And then as you're in the midst of all these amazing people and all these amazing things, a person like a Bill Wills and Tracy Hamilton can walk in with a banker's box full of unproduced Power of the Force proofs that nobody ever knew were still in existence. And just God bless Bill Wills and Tracy Hamilton. And just drop that box of Power of the Force proofs on the bar. By the way, when you're staying at the hotel, another perk is that you get free breakfast, free dinner, and three <laughs> alcoholic drinks with dinner. I'm not kidding. It comes with your hotel room. And, makes you spend more money. And you're in that same area where you just at the bar earlier in the evening, you just got drinks. But on that same bar, Bill Wills and Tracy Hamilton have now dropped this mother load of Power of the Force proofs. Right. And collectors have just swarmed, literally looking like a scene out of Star Wars where people are like bidding on these things. Right. And um, it just... It's it's magic, something yeah. you've never seen before. And I actually last year walked away with one of those Power of the Forest proofs. Did you? Congratulations. Thank you. It's not with me anymore because a super hardcore focus collector of that character yeah. guilted me into giving it to him, essentially, for what I paid <laughs> for it. <laughs> Don't you know name names? Say his name. A guy that likes these weird, fuzzy little bears. And you know what? I'm not <laughs> really sure that's right He's in a, a lot of ways. Um. Now this, yeah, and, and also you don't have to feel left out. Those guys get free drinks from staying there. But if you're not staying there, you can bring a six pack and uh, indulge in, in, in your in your drinks while you're deal- making deals. Oh, it's so BYOB. It's, it's BYOB. Um, yeah, and you don't even have to be staying at the the Drury. Um, but uh, a lot of times, just to give everyone an overview, so like if you have stuff that you're trying to get rid of, and you know some stuff that's maybe higher end that you don't want to ship or don't want to put on eBay or Facebook or whatever, um, or you're looking to trade, you would bring this stuff to the room sales. You kind of you know they have in the in the lobby they have tables and stuff like that and you just put your stuff down and people come over and they either barter with you or they they buy and uh either way you know you find stuff you come away a pretty happy person we usually take the couch in the lobby 
for all of our stuff. Yeah, because you can set up anywhere you want. Literally every inch of that place. Last year, it's a different place. No, there's well, there's people set up Indian style on the floor. There's people on the coffee tables. People on the couches. People on the. When we say room sales, we don't actually go in the hotel rooms. That's originally uh, shout out to uh, Steve Denny, who he's the one that made room. God bless Steve Denny. One that made room sales famous from showing up with just holy grail items and selling out of his out of his uh, hotel room. Um, but the room sales now, because they've they've grown in in size, and you know we you want them to be able to continue. Typically, you find a, a common area, and we've had a lot of really good um, a lot of really good uh, response from the jury specifically and their management team by letting us allow them to do it there. Because other places, I know, if you remember Celebration two years ago, everybody got booted when we had some with the, the room sales. But it's nice; it's a big common area. It's well lit, uh, tons of tables and chairs. Everybody's kind of finds a space for the to, to call their own sets everything up and then people walk around and it's kind of like a high-end uh i guess they call it over the pond a boot sale right where everybody kind of opens their trunk is that what boot is is that trunk on your car car boot sure car boot. Yeah. yeah boot sure uh, whatever trunk boot whatever yeah it's all think, the same i think you're just as likely to see someone open up their uh their um, backpack or, you know, open up their trench coat and have, you know, their their wares, their uh, inner of their trench coat lined with proof cards or prototype. No, seriously, though, you could just see somebody dropping their bag somewhere and opening up and making a trade. It's really it's like a scene out of a Star Wars movie. And uh, I think that's part of the allure of it, too. But. The fact that you know you have that safety to drink, have a good time, not get kicked out. It's a big deal, man. I'll tell you that, like, just having the unknown in certain other toy shows. It's to the hotel itself, and it's really all, the, all, all they ask. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're not kicking and throwing stuff yeah. and throwing beers on each other and no, everyone's I mean, happy, then you know, it goes over well. And it's a fun, it's a fun uh, setting and, and a fun place to be. Yeah. Like you said, it's a small show, so anyone who's going to act like that isn't going to fit in anyway. They're not going to really... that They're going to be one-and-done years, so don't come. I guess I can't go. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, Brian, you, um, you and I were talking before, and you uh, you mentioned that this was actually your second year of coming, that your first year was, was last year. Is that correct? So um, if you could just maybe kind of give people an idea of, of what the experience was for you last year, um, that would be really helpful. Yeah, um, I think that again I'll point back to the hospitality of the brothers as they were referred to by the creator of the toys that made us Um, I think the hospitality of the brothers in their parents basement and in their world and you know there's so many historic sites to tour we saw the mural we went to the Kroger what's the mural Uh, there's a mural that is just down the street from the Kroger building now, which was the Kenner building then. And it um, it's street art, but it's beautiful, and it depicts the toys, essentially in a fantasy setting, all collaborated together in a beautiful way. And uh, it's done by uh, the artist has notoriety in some way because, Sean? What about the artist? Of the mural. Oh. Uh... I can't remember his name. What no? What what do you what notoriety? I don't know. You told me about it last year. It was really interesting then. Really boring <laughs> now. But don't worry about it. Now. What I'm I saying. Feel bad. He put me on the spot. Is, uh, yeah, it's all well, he's, good. A, he's a professional artist. Um, he does incredible work, but I can't recall his name right now. It's okay. He's not important. You have to go back in and say I've confirmed that it's this artist. Oh, and so you can read about him here. Going off track, but staying on track, kind of. If that makes any sense. 
Uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but Kenner Toys was actually named after the street that it's on. That's why it's called Kenner Toys. Right. So uh, you actually, if you come to Cincinnati, you can be on the street that was the reason Kenner was named Kenner. And you yeah. get a selfie with the uh, with the street sign that says Kenner. And the mural is, is pretty substantial, too. And we're not talking about even like a one-story um, picture. This, this thing is large. Yeah. It's so cool, too, because like if, you, if, you if you stand back from it pretty far and you take a photo of it uh, to the left while you're facing it to the left is the corridor building where Kenner's headquartered. headquartered. So um, our favorite place that's around there, and I've told, I think, I took, maybe I took you there when we went there, Brian. Yeah. But uh, there's this place called Capels, and growing up as kids, we would go there and get all of our Halloween stuff. Well, we learned over the years that uh, Capels is a place that a lot of the Kenner designers and conceptual people would go, or with Prelim, would go and buy um, different crafts and things to, to create toys in, in the very early stages. Uh, they sold things like styrofoam balls. They sold... Um, you know things like um, like uh, like like fake sh- like not shrubbery, but you know the things that you would use to make uh, like fake trees or, or sold, brush and with train sets. It's all material swatches like vinyl and things like that. Who knows a vinyl the the cut cape vinyl uh, Jawa could have came from a swatch came, yeah. came from Capels. You know you never know. That's a good point. That's a good point. I have a um, Leia with a hand cut cape, and that hand cut cape the vinyl could have come from Capels. Wow! And to, see, these are the things when you come to Cincinnati that you you won't even have to learn them. They will just magically, through osmosis, pour into you. Yes. While and you're here. And the cool thing about Cincinnati is there's there's a, fl- a bunch of flea markets here. Uh, so there's my favorite is Treasure Isles, and it's right across the highway from Trader's World. Trader's World is probably the most famous or infamous uh, flea market because that's where so many prototypes turned up back in the 90s uh, where people would go to pick garage sales and they would come and they would just sell on the weekends and stuff would I mean incredible things that would be found there for, for pennies on the dollar um, but Treasure Isles is really fun to go to if you if you decide to go next year um, Saturday morning getting there about 6.30, 6.45 when the vendors outside are, are setting their items up occasionally things turn up um, I can't think of anything good I've ever found there, but I know other people uh, specifically. I found a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Corgi truck or a Corgi car last week for four dollars. Found out that it's valued about one twenty-five. Nice, nice pickup. Nice, yeah, that's a nice little pickup. Um, and then I think I got a uh, Batman animated series lunchbox. No, we like did find something $3. good there one time. There was this guy that had a Pac-Man trash can. And uh, and we, I walked up to him, and I started talking to him, and I asked him if he had any 80s items. And he gave me this weird look. He goes, well, what are you looking for? Uh, and I yeah. said, well, Star Wars or you know, Indiana Jones and things like that. And he goes, well, I've got two Star Wars things with me, but I don't want to sell them. And I said, okay, well, let me see him. So he popped his trunk. And in his trunk was the Luke Skywalker AM-FM headset. Oh, my gosh. And it was unused content. It was absolutely freaking gorgeous. And uh, I forget what the item, item, other item was. It wasn't as exciting. I think it may have been like a remote control R2 or something. Here, Ryan's bringing it over here. those same people, we set up a lead, and uh, we went out there a couple of weeks later and bought an entire sealed and carded and boxed uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones collection wow. that they found in a garage behind uh, some shelving that had been sitting there for 20 or 30 years. That's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah, from, so that's from the, the, same that's the uh, AM. We're looking at the uh, AM. Oh, it didn't say FM. Just AM headset radio. Um, 
which has a picture of uh, the, the, the same image uh, yeah. as the, the Luke Gunner carded Return of the Jedi figure as well, too, which is just a great one. Right. It has also a disturbingly happy young <laughs> child wearing the headset. Listening to AM radio, he's probably really interested in NPR. Or <laughs> it looks like they're doing brainwashing experiments <laughs> on that child. Yes, and, and he's taking the bait, and he's, he's probably listening to the, to the yeah, jive cast, like actually. Yeah, I think through the, through the sure. headset, they're just blaring, collect them all. Collect them all. Yeah. <laughs> Collect them all. Um, oh, what else is neat about too? If you're, a, I didn't realize it had a sticker on it. Whittle's Toy Store, thirteen dollars and ninety five cents. There you go. That's a lot um, back then. Right? Uh, the other thing you can see while you're in Cincinnati, no one mentioned this, is the superpowers. Uh, the Hall of Justice is actually here in Cincinnati. Um, it's true. It's it's uh, it's, um, it's called it's called yeah Union Terminal, and it's uh, over near downtown Cincinnati. So if you get a chance to go around the city, you can actually see the real life. Hall of Justice, as you see on the box art from the um, Superpowers collection. Now, last year when I was here, they took me to a Star Wars exhibit at the museum at the, at the Hall of Justice, Hall of Justice which was, that was incredible. Wow! So, so that was a once in a lifetime. It, a lot, the stars aligned for that whole weekend. Yeah, that was, that was the weekend. was it Power of the Costumes or yes. something like that. Yeah, so, yeah and it was here the same weekend as it was. I think the last weekend of it here in Cincinnati yes. was the same weekend as the toy show. And uh, that was just incredible. Yeah. And seeing, you know, historic drawings where they first envisioned a lot of the cantina creatures, for example, just in the city where they then became toys for the first time, there was a synergy there. So those kind of, again, once you get closer to the innards of the cave on Dagobah, the weird anomalies in the forest start happening in this city of Cincinnati. And that's where Yoda reveals himself as right. well, and then all and, the good stuff. And happens. keep in mind, bring a jacket, it is cold, so wrap it around you like a tauntaun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know the weather's going to be like here ever. It's, it's 85 one day and 34 the next. Yeah. And that's why we all sound nasally, too, because our, our, our insides just can't handle the weather. Yeah, my sinuses have been just up and down this whole <laughs> yeah. weekend so far. So. I've been um, cough for four weeks now straight. I think, just to kind of end, one of the, one of the main, uh, one of the most special things about this is really kind of the the, uh, the coming together of, of collectors and, and friends over time, and, and it's really more important than any find or anything like that, but you just, you can really feel it and see it. I mean, even just sitting here in the Lemkel household now, I, I feel like part of the family. Uh, I'm with I'm with family members uh, from, from the different coasts and everything as well, and from, from across the world, which is great. From all the far reaches of the Star Wars galaxy. I also spoke with Ian Sanderson, a wonderful friend and someone who has made his own impact on the hobby in a creative and helpful way. Ian's company, Ian's Display Accessories, specializes in creating some of the best acrylics specifically for toy lines like Star Wars, so collectors can display their carded and loose figures and their vehicles and playsets. All right, we're still at the Lemkel's house, and uh, we have another uh, wonderful friend and collector with us, someone who's really special, and I'm going to let him speak for a second. So, Ian? Hi there, yeah, it's, uh, it's Ian Sanderson. Of, uh, well, most people know me of, uh, as the, uh, the guy from GW Acrylic, but Ian's display accessories, all the uh, ships, the ship stands, the figure stands, obviously the acrylic cases. Very cool, and and your stuff is just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I saw uh, one of our friends picked up a uh, a display base for uh, his his B wing prototype oh, yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my that's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, that's just gorgeous. That and the skiff stand and everything they're beautiful. Yeah. 
So, um, so okay. So you had mentioned that this is your second time in coming as well, and I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I went for the first time last year. Um, what was your experience last year, and why did you come back? So obviously, um, I've attended shows. I've been doing shows, you know, selling the the acrylic and the the display stands and everything like that. Um, but I came to this one last year. I was, uh, I said, I'd uh, stall with the the guys at Cass Ross and all of that. Um, and I bought a few bits and pieces, but realistically, I, I just enjoyed it being a collector show. I enjoyed going back to the, you know, what I was doing before I was selling things. It was, it was being a hobbyist and, you know, being part of the hobby. And also just the fact that, you know, loads of people were coming down here. It was a really good social social event. I got to talk to people that obviously I hadn't, I'd met on Facebook, but not actually met in person. Um, and then obviously the show itself was just fantastic. There was, you know, bucket loads of vintage toys. It was just, it was just really nice to walk around and they were all at good prices as well you know they weren't at facebook prices or you know ebay prices it was well priced um, and the room sales on the, the night before were really good as well so i enjoyed that seeing some really cool pieces very cool was there anything in particular that you saw that just kind of blew your mind uh last year and, and even this year well i haven't seen yeah i haven't seen anything this year um but i'm hoping to obviously we've got room sales tonight um last year i think oh i was there just as um oh who came in i can't remember who it was but someone came in with like uh 10 power of the force um bill wills tracy hamilton That's it, yeah. god bless bill wills and tracy hamilton and they just turned out with uh, like um, 10 or 12 uh, Power of the Force proof cards and I I actually got to the B-Wing pilot first now I, I, I re- I'm annoyed I didn't buy it. I mean it was it was a lot of money and it was priced well but it was still a lot of money in it you know and some of them were produced and some of them were unproduced right oh, yeah 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 there, it was just I mean at the room sales it was just fantastic I mean I would have thought I thought actually the room sales there were as good as the celebration ones um, and I said just it, being in Cincinnati I think you've got that kind of draw of it being the home of Kenner it being the home of Star Wars toys and you know it's just nice to be here well, I hope you find some good stuff, and I know you're on vacation right now, which is wonderful, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip here. Thanks very much. Yeah, I want to have a, be, be buying Star Wars tomorrow, not selling anything, be buying. That's a perfect way to go for a collector and a friend and a fan. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. So that was Saturday afternoon. Sean and Ryan's parents offered to take a group photo of all of us before we left, and their mother, Tony, gave us each a parting gift a nut from a buckeye tree, to remind us of the day and of Cincinnati. So I drove back to the hotel to grab a few items and to stop for a late lunch before heading over to the convention center for 4 p.m. The toy show wasn't until Sunday, but at 4 o'clock Saturday evening, the convention center opened for vendors to begin setting up their tables. I was helping a friend unload and set up, and we planned to meet up after I ate. While I was at the restaurant, though, I recorded some of my thoughts about my time spent with friends at the Lemkel House and the excitement of the weekend. And I don't know if I succeeded in articulating the warmth and joy I felt to be there, but I was so thankful to have been able to travel out to Ohio and was having such a special time that I wanted to capture just a moment of that joy. So I just left the Lemkels. Um, it's, uh, it's almost four o'clock, uh, and it's about time for setup, which is great. So setup is um, it happens the day before the, the show. The show is on Sunday. And um, it just it's, it's a time usually between like maybe 4 and 9 o'clock where um, vendors can bring stuff in and, uh, and can set up their tables uh, so that they're pretty much ready for the show tomorrow. 
of course, with every show, you always have people that are setting up Sunday morning, you know, we're just kind of put it, putting the finishing touches. But for the most part, a lot of the setup happens on, on Saturday. Um, coincidentally, that's where all of the, um, a lot of the, the good stuff uh, happens as well on, on that Saturday. So I'm going over to help a friend and I'm going to do some, some shopping, hopefully of my own, uh, and maybe find some stuff. Uh, right now looking for some modern pre-production and then some vintage carded, vintage loose uh, accessories, all that stuff. But, um, but before I forget, I just I wanted to really just kind of talk about what my experience was like uh, being at the Lemkel's house. Their family is amazing. Um, you know, it's really nice. You can see the, the, the brotherhood between the brothers, the, the, the relationship. And, uh, and I always think it's cool, you know, that they looked at this a long time ago growing up and said, let's do this together. And I think they've spoken on other podcasts about it, but it's kind of what, what's kept their friendship, part of what's kept their friendship going as well. Um, and their parents are just absolutely lovely people. Um, right before we left, we took a group photo, um, which will probably be posted up on Facebook and, you know, some of the other groups at this point. But um, it was just really nice, you know, and it was just nice to sit down. In a, in a casual setting, uh, surrounded by amazing Star Wars uh, collectibles and figures and toys, um, and then just to sit with with people and to kind of get to know them better, to build relationships, and and that's really for me right now. That's what this trip has been. Um, last night, going to a friend's house and seeing his collection for the first time, and being around other collectors, um, and then you know today just just going over to the Lemkel's house, uh, it just really sitting with with everybody was was really special um you know i I live in new jersey so the the trip is usually about nine and a half hours and i usually drive um, which i like but what what i'm finding more and more is that of course it's less about what you actually bring home and more of the experiences and more of the, the the friendships that you build you know we i think as we get older we go from collecting pieces to collecting friendships uh and that's really the way it should be um, and I know some of that might sound kind of corny, but uh, it, it really is special. Um, but anyway, so we're, going, we're getting ready to go over to the, uh, the, the show now. And um, I would recommend if you ever get a chance to, uh, to attend, it, Cincinnati is really worth it. Um, it's a special place. I like the fact that they only do this particular show once a year. Um, because it makes it more special in a way, and, and people really, you know, they save up, they they save up their their money and their time, um, you know, to to take off of work and and to uh, to come out and usually to come out with friends as well too. Um, the amount of people that that are here so far, you know, we've taken over uh, a few hotels, I would say, in the area, especially the Drury, which is where the the room sales are going to be, but. It really is an amazing experience, uh, and we're not even we're not even at the point of the the setup and the room sales and the show yet. Too, um, there have been some amazing finds already, which I've heard of, um, which is really cool. I'm hunting down a particular piece or two myself, so we'll see if that actually happens. But um, but anyway, it, I I wanted to record this, and I'll probably say this at the beginning of the the show as well. But the reason, real reason, why I'm doing this is I used to drive to toy shows around my area and I would listen to these amazing podcasts and um and just people talking about the these shows that seem to be in, a, in another world you know for me Cincinnati like I, I would I don't know if I'd ever if I'd ever thought of driving out there but hearing what was going on with with 
these shows and the camaraderie and, and just the, um, the amazing experiences that people had, uh, it, it made me kind of go beyond my comfort zone and maybe try to go out to, to different places that I normally wouldn't have in the past. Um, and a lot of times, you know, I would do these trips by myself. Um, and it's, it's kind of cool because you leave your house driving by yourself. And then once you get to the location, all of a sudden you have like a hundred or 200 friends around you. Um, you know, and those relationships grow over time, uh, which is also really important. You know, if you're, if you're really looking to get involved in collecting, you know, and in the more serious side, um, it helps to, to build relationships and build friendships with people, not for, not for the idea of just getting, you know, getting stuff, of course, but, but it just changes the way you look at things. Um, it, it, it allows you to kind of help out other people and people start to help you out. And it's all these amazing benefits that come not because you're trying to network to get something, but because you're, you're building honest and real friendships. And then it's like the toys are secondary and they wind up kind of in some ways falling in your lap. So um, I apologize if, um, if I sound very congested. Uh, the weather here is crazy. Um, it's been just up and down, rainy and sunny and uh you know 70 degrees and then down to 40 degrees so <laughs> it's been a little challenging for the sinuses but um great experience so far you know and i can't wait to see what comes this afternoon what happens tonight and then what happens tomorrow um and it's a shame it's only for you know a short weekend um but we we have celebration and other places to look forward to so all right i'm off and that is part one of the Cincinnati Toy Show experience. Stay tuned for part two, where we'll be looking at the setup for the toy show, the room sales, and then the toy show itself. And I'd like to leave you with one more audio memory, an audio soundbite from the Lemkel House. This was us playing the Star Wars X-Wing Aces target game. Like a fly comes in with like a mouth. Yeah, it was a lot of pirates. Red pirates. And then they worked. They, uh, they re uh, they redid work. It was um, how cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> you have to pull this out once and it just basically first and Oh, it starts it over again? Yeah. So it's gonna be a pretty solid hit, man. Yeah. You know? But it does move away though when you